Welcome to the 2024 Big C Survivor's Guide. This podcast has been sponsored by Life Healthcare in the interest of education, awareness and support. Episode 4, Stem Cell Transplant by Dr. Lucille Sarah Singh. Dr. Lucille Sarah Singh is a physician and clinical hematologist in private practice at Albert Cellular Therapy, based at Netcare Pretoria East Hospital. She's an active member of SASH and SASCETS and serves regularly on the clinical review panel of SAOC. The decision to undertake a hematopoietic stem cell transplant is always a very considered decision. It will be an option if you've had certain blood cancers such as leukemias, lymphomas and multiple myeloma, if you've had bone marrow failure or dysfunction and can't produce sufficient levels of blood cells, or if you've had certain immunodeficiency states and autoimmune conditions. Pre-stem cell transplant. If you're being transplanted for cancerous conditions, you would have at this point been through many rounds of chemotherapy and or radiation therapy, depending on the nature of your cancer, and hopefully be in remission prior to transplant or have a very low burden of residual cancer cells present. If you're undergoing an autologous stem cell transplant, that's one using your own blood stem cells, you would have had your blood stem cells collected by this time. This process is called apheresis and takes a few hours. Your blood flows from a large IV line or central venous catheter and is processed in an apheresis machine which removes blood stem cells. The rest of the cells flow back into you through a different IV line or through a different port of the central line. By the time transplant dates have been set, your clinical case has been discussed at a transplant meeting and signed off by more than one doctor in the medical team. It has been approved by the medical aid and so begins the countdown to day zero, which is the day of the infusion of blood or bone marrow stem cells. Generally, the transplant process can be divided into the following phases. Pre-hospital preparation, hospital admission, which is conditioning therapy, day zero is the stem cell infusion, and day one to 28, post-stem cell infusion. Then post-hospital recovery, which is one to 12 months, and long-term transplant follow-up which is 12 months plus. Pre-hospital preparation. This generally begins about two to three weeks prior to the planned admission for transplant. You undergo blood tests and depending on your underlying diagnosis, concomitant medical conditions and the type of transplant planned, you may also be sent for x-rays, a heart sonar, dental assessment, lung functions, a psychologist review and others. This is to make sure that you're fit enough to undergo the transplant process as well as to preempt and plan for potential complications. A port, J-line or central venous catheter may be inserted to facilitate chemotherapy and other infusions, procedures like plasma exchanges and the stem cell infusion. It's also an opportunity for you to engage with the medical and support team and discuss any concerns. A meeting will take place between one of the treating doctors with a nurse or social worker present as well, and you and your family or next of kin are there to discuss the results of these tests, the details of the upcoming transplant, as well as potential risks and complications. You'll sign a consent form agreeing to the transplant. Hospital admission. Finally, the day arrives to be hospitalized. You're admitted into an isolation room where you have a private bathroom. There are no rules when preparing for what lies ahead psychologically or physically. Be prepared for a long stay, which at best would last two to three weeks and at worst may stretch into months if serious complications arise. Psychosocial support is important. Being in a room alone for most of the day eventually affects even the most positive people. 
you should ask to speak to a counsellor or the practice psychologist should overwhelming emotions arise. What to pack? When packing, remember to pack things to stave off boredom and to reduce anxiety like reading materials, a laptop or tablet, crafts or hobbies, so bring along those painting supplies, and bring mementos or photographs from home, which will help a lot. Chemotherapy and or radiation therapy and or immunotherapy are given during this time over a handful of days. Depending on what the underlying disease indication for the transplant is, this may be to eradicate any cancerous cells that may still be lingering, to prepare the bone marrow to receive the upcoming stem cells, and to manipulate the immune system to prevent rejection of stem cells. Day zero. The day of the stem cell infusion is typically the most uneventful day. The stem cells, whether your own or donor stem cells, or allogeneic transplant, are infused intravenously, much like a regular blood transfusion. Intravenous pre-medication, including an antihistamine and a dose of steroids, will be given prior to the procedure. The stem cells will very quickly leave the blood and make their way to the bone marrow to start repopulating the marrow with healthy cells. Post-hospital recovery. Once your blood counts are at safe levels, for stem cell engraftment, if there are no serious infective or other complications, you'll be discharged. In the case of allogeneic transplants, you're seen at least once a week for the first 12 weeks post-transplant. With autologous transplants, the likelihood of complications post-discharge is less, and you're seen two to four weekly. Long-term transplant follow-up. This is important to look for late complications and to monitor for relapse of the underlying disease for which you were transplanted. If you underwent an allogeneic transplant, you'll also get revaccinated, and a revaccination schedule is followed over many months. Undergoing a hematopoietic stem cell transplant is a daunting, detailed, expensive and medically complicated process, but for many, it's their only option. <laughs>